Hey, I want to thank you for checking out uh, the sermons at Coastal Community Church online. And uh, we are really happy to make these available to you uh, for your spiritual nourishment. But one of the things we have a deep conviction of is that we hope that these sermons are a supplement to your spiritual growth, but also a supplement to you having a home church. And so if uh, you do not live in this area, we would really encourage you uh, to join with a local church where you can serve the Lord together alongside of other believers. Uh, if you don't have a local church and you live in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love to have have you check out Coastal Community Church. We have uh, three services, uh, 8:15, 9:45, and 11:15, and we'd love for you to join us at one of those services. Good morning, Coastal Church. Great to see you guys. Do me a favor. We're going to jump in, make the best use of our time this morning. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. And uh, if you're using the one that's in the chair in front of you, it's actually on page 488, so you can turn there pretty easily. And uh, there's a handout in your bulletin, actually two handouts in your bulletin. One is to take notes on, so I encourage you to get that out. You can follow along with me. While you're getting all that ready, uh, just a couple things I want to reiterate that uh, Wilson kind of reminded us of and some that he didn't. One of the questions that came to me after I kind of updated us last week on our Beyond series, you know, I had a bunch of people come up and say, hey, you know what, I might be able to to give a little more, help complete my my pledge to the Beyond uh, pledge drive a little sooner, but I don't know what I pledged, and so, uh, or where I am in the process. So if that is you, and you'd like some an update on all you got to do is call the office, ask for Jordan, Uh, he's our financial guy, and he'll be able to tell you where you are and where you need to get to complete your pledge, and, and, uh, Along with that, on your way out today, uh, if you gave financially to Coastal Community Church, we have your giving statements at the Connect Center, okay? And, uh, and so you, that saves us a stamp. If you'll pick them up, we'll mail them out in a week or two. But uh, believe it or not, postage gets costly with the church's size, so you can help us steward our resources. And in that, I do want to let you know, okay, if during 2015, at any point, you gave a check with the intent of it going to the Beyond Campaign or the Building Fund, but you didn't write that in the memo, okay, we had to put it in general, okay? So if you open your statement and say, well, I wanted some of that to go, that's an easy fix, okay? Uh, that doesn't change anything for your tax purposes, so if you don't care, we don't care, but if you want it to reflect properly with your intentions, just call us at the office, we can change that and then make sure it gets properly uh, uh, shown on your sheet, okay, right? Everybody with me on that? So that's just a little bit of admin, all right? I also want to remind you, you can sign up and take a vision tour, and I laid out in front of us, hey, if we could uh, raise um, a quarter million dollars of our Beyond Money sooner by March, uh, we're going to still try to get into our new building by Easter, okay? And I know a lot of people volunteered yesterday to plant some bushes, I don't know, they planted a hundred and some bushes yesterday, and uh, I had to dig through the roots of the old tree, so, uh, but man, we're moving forward, so it's exciting, and, um, yeah, but you can take a vision tour of the building. You can sign up at the Connect Center. Uh, we're going to do two today at 1245 and one o'clock. If you want to be a part of that, come on down, okay? We'd love to give you a tour of the building, and raise awareness, all right? Final thing, in your bulletin is a menu of small groups, all right? Everybody get that out, so I know you got it, all right? This is Super, super important. Uh, starting next week, we're going to start our, a new six-week series. Uh, I have been prepping you all uh, as a congregation for change, right? And that was my kind of my New Year sermon, and that was the Joshua series. Hey, we're getting ready to move. A lot of things changing. Uh, here's what I want to do with this next series. I want to reassure us 
uh, that there's some things at Coastal that aren't going to change, all right? No matter where we meet, no matter where we move. And so, uh, and so I'm titled the series, We Are Coastal Because, Coastal Because, and we're going to talk about the things that make us coastal, like, hey, we're committed to the Word of God and a bunch of other things. I'm not going to reveal the whole series now, okay? But, uh, but for that six weeks, we want everybody in the church to be in a small group, okay? And we want to intersect the Word of God, and we want to intersect uh, your life uh, with other people that are trying to grow close and trying to be more like Jesus Christ, and we, that happens in a small group. And so we want you today on the way out, uh, look at that menu, find a time, a, a group that kind of suits your needs or a time or a place or whatever. There's all kinds of times and places. Sign up on the way out. Be a part of our small groups over the next six weeks, six weeks commitment. It's an awesome, awesome time, that we, a journey we take together as a church. Okay? Good? All right. There we go. Let's go forward. All right, let's dive in here this morning. Today is um, today's a little bit of a risky sermon, actually. Um, it runs the risk of, of, of being misunderstood, and I hope that's not the case. Um, th- th- there's a new hot topic or a new hot movement, if you will, in, in Christianity, and it's the idea of social justice. The, the questions are, how, how much should a church be involved in, in solving some of the social issues and the social injustices in our culture or, or even in other cultures. Now, if you know anything about your calendar, there's two what I would consider significant uh, events this weekend that lend itself to this question, all right? Um, the first is, this is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. If you're not aware of what that is, it's, it's, this is a date that was set aside by pro-life presidents, starting with Ronald Reagan, uh, to remember the plight of the unborn. Most churches use this weekend to, to teach a, a sermon, a pro-life sermon, and, and uh, actually last year I, I dedicated the whole sermon to that topic, and if you missed it, I, I'm not going to, uh, it's going to be part of my sermon today, but it's not going to be the whole sermon today. So, so if you want to hear what Coastal stands on, what I believe about the unborn and the uh, obligation of Christians to to fight for the rights of the unborn, I would encourage you to listen to that sermon. We're going to upload it on our Facebook page again today, and uh, you can listen to it. The second thing on the calendar is, is tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is a federal holiday set aside. It's the third Monday of the month of January. Uh, usually, this date falls as closely as possible to Dr. King's birthday, which is January 15th. J- Dr. King I'm assuming many of you, most of you know, but in case you don't, he was a spokesman for nonviolent activism for the civil rights movement. He successfully protested racial discrimination in both federal and state law. And we're going to hit on this topic of racism in this sermon briefly. And while I want to spend a few minutes on these two topics, my, my hope here this morning is to leave you as if you're, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Christians, so if you're investigating the claims of Christ, uh, just be aware that I'm really talking to those in the room that say, yes, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I would call myself a Christian. My hope here this morning, if you're a Christian, is to help you leave here today with a bigger worldview. I want you to run everything that you see in your life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something we just gather here on Sunday, but rather the gospel of Jesus Christ touches everything in our lives, including social justices. So with that this morning, I want us to look at Proverbs 11, verse 1. 
as I'd been praying about this weekend, this is the verse that the Lord just kind of kept putting on my heart and putting on my mind. I brought a balance up here this morning. This is an illustration of this verse. The author of the proverb writes, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, let me make sure you understand this verse. In an agrarian culture, the balance was everything. It's how you did business. And so what the, what the author of the proverb is saying, the way this would work is if you needed grain in an agrarian culture, you would, you would go to the local wheat farmer, okay, and you say, hey, listen, I need five pounds of wheat to survive the winter. And so what would happen? The wheat farmer would get his five-pound rock, if you will, okay, and he would place it on a scale, and that scale would tip, and then he would probably get some form of a sack or something for you to carry it in, and he'd put that on the other side of the scale, and he would begin to scoop grain on the other side of the scale until its balance came level. Does that make sense? And that way you, as a buyer, would know, hey, I'm getting five pounds worth of grain, and you would exchange money, or maybe you'd barter some, something that you grew or something that, you know, cattle or whatever, but you would make an exchange, a fair exchange, for that five pounds of grain. And what would happen in these agrarian cultures is a dishonest merchant might take his five-pound weight and he might go home at night with a knife or something sharp and he would scrape out the bottom of that weight so that while it looked like it was five pounds, it didn't actually weigh five pounds. So that when you came and you said, I want a five-pound bag of grain and he would place it on a scale, it wasn't actually five pounds. And in that way, the merchant would pad his margins. Does that make sense? And so you would walk out thinking you had had five pounds of grain when maybe you had four and a half pounds of grain. And the Lord says, this is an abomination. I mean, that seems like a small thing, right? Taking your weight, adjusting your weight, you know, it's a tiny thing. And the Lord's very, very clear. This is an abomination. And so, so here's, here's the important thought that I want to I give you here this morning. We serve a God who loves justice. Make no mistake about it. We serve a God who loves justice, and injustice is an abomination to our Lord. The idea of the word, the word abomination literally means detestable, repulsive, loathsome. In fact, usually the word abomination is closely connected to the word idolatry. If, you don't, if you're kind of new to Christianity, you're new to the Scriptures, the word idolatry is when your heart worships anything other than the living God. And so it's an abomination when our, when our hearts have a false worship, a false idea. In an unjust way, the author of Proverbs says, is, is no trifling matter to the Lord. However... Our God delights in justice. He delights in justice. And I think the picture of Proverbs 11.1 1 is, a, is a great picture of what exactly justice is. Justice is a fair and a right balance. Justice is when two things equal themselves. Now let me talk about the greatest injustice of all time. Before we, before we get into social justice, I want to be really clear. Here's the, let's talk about the greatest injustice of all time. The greatest injustice of all time is, spirit, is, is what I'm calling spiritual justice, and it's the gospel. 
The gospel is, is spiritual justice. And to understand why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we just sang about it, and maybe if you're new to this, you gotta understand something. In the heart of man, in your heart and my heart, left, apart, left alone to ourselves, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, apart from the work of the scriptures, enlightening our minds and our heart to truth, we're in rebellion to God. Man is in rebellion against God. God in his goodness and God in his kindness put man in perfect relationship with himself. God put man in the position that everything would be provided for him in due time. God gave clear guidelines on his expectations and he gave clear guidelines for the violation of his expectations. Adam and Eve bore the federal headship of all humanity. Now you may be saying, well, what does that mean? It means the idea that Adam and Eve were the representative for the entire human race in much the same way as the president of the United States represents America, right, in another country. He'll go to another country, and guess what? When he speaks, he's representing, guess who? You, right? Yeah, depending on where you fall politically, you might say, that's not what I would have said, right, or whatever. But, but all in all, he's our federal representative. In the same way, Adam and Eve represented all of humanity, and yet they rebelled against God, and they had everything. And they, they fell into sin, and, and make no mistake about it, all of the human race has since not, you don't, you, don't, you don't become sinners, you're born into sin. The overflow of your heart, your actions are an overflow of what your heart already is. It's in rebellion to God. This is the greatest injustice of all. God might call this an abomination. It's an abomination with eternal consequences. Romans chapter 3, when talking about the sin in the heart of man, Romans 3 verse 10, Paul writes this, and he, by the way, he borrows from, and Pastor Joey spoke on this actually around Christmas time, he borrows from many Old Testament scriptures, but he says no one is righteous, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. By the way, if you're sitting here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, you'll remember those days in your life, right? Like you remember that. I don't, I don't care about God. And what happened? God in his grace, God in his mercy, by the power of the Spirit, began to liven you to the things of God. Remember those days? But before that, you didn't seek for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat's like an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The ven they have venoms of asps in their lists. Their, their mouth is full of coarse uh, of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths they, they, they are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the heart of man in rebellion against God the creator. And the consequence of this rebellion, according to the Bible, is, right? Some of you all know this verse, right? The wages of sin is what? Death. And there's two forms of death that the Bible talks about. There's physical death. None of us gets out of this thing alive. I hope that's not news to you this morning, okay? My son just this week was like, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm I think I'm going to die one day. I'm like, there's no doubt about it, son. 100% true, right? Which, by the way, is, it's crazy to me that we would be 100% certain that something's going to happen and we wouldn't consider, man, I wonder what happens next. Right? How foolish would that be? 
It doesn't matter how much you eat right. It doesn't matter how much you exercise. It doesn't matter how, many, how great your doctor is or isn't. It doesn't matter if you have access to health care or not. I mean, you are going to one day bear the consequence of sin, which is death. All right? But the Bible speaks about a second kind of death, right? There's a spiritual death. There's a, the, uh, Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats. Some to eternal life and some to what? Anybody know? Eternal, eternal death, eternal punishment. Right? That's the second death. And so the consequence of our sin, of this rebellion to God, is that we, is, the, is the wage of sin, which is death, both physical and spiritual. But God in his grace and his mercy has provided a way of escape for the second death. He substituted Jesus as a punishment for our sin and for our rebellion. I want to tell you something. This is the greatest injustice of all time. It's the greatest injustice ever. That Jesus was substituted on our behalf as a payment for our sin. The Bible word for this idea is propitiation. How many of y'all have ever heard that word, the word propitiation? It means not, it, it means not that, just, that God just forgave our sin. We think that a lot. Oh, God forgives our sin. Of course he does. But he didn't just wave his hand and forgive our sin. That would be an injustice to his character. He's holy. He demands justice. No, there had to be a payment for sin. And so what was the payment? Well, that's the word propitiation. Jesus was substituted on your behalf, and the holy wrath of God was poured out on sin on your behalf so that the payment of sin could be made. And God satisfied his own character and need for justice by pouring out his just wrath on sin on his own son. And Jesus paid the price for that sin that we owed. Justice was served for God's character, injustice for his son, Jesus Christ. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, and by the way, confession of sin means to agree with God. If God calls it a sin, we call it a sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is what, church? He's just. Why is he just? Because sin has been paid for by his son, Jesus Christ. He is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 4, 10 says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, what's the big word there? A propitiation, right? A substitute for our sin. And so forgiveness of sin and restoration to God through Jesus and eternal life is the greatest need of humanity. I want you to hear that. This is the greatest need of humanity, to be restored in relationship with God. Love and forgiveness is given to mankind by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the greatest need of every human that has ever walked and ever will walk planet Earth. There's no greater freedom for humanity than to be free from the penalty of your sin and have eternal life. I want you to hear that. This is the gospel. Salvation from the penalty of our sin paid for by the God-man Jesus Christ authenticated through the resurrection and eternal life is promised to those who, that bow a knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Now, why did I tell you that? Why did I spend the beginning of this sermon on this weekend on that? I want to be very clear here this morning because I'm about to make a, a very bold statement. This is a statement that could get me in trouble. Every other injustice and, and, and freedom from injustice we could ever put our energies toward is a distant second to the freedom from the consequence of sin and the hope of eternal life. I want you to hear that. Now, do I believe in, in social justice? You, you bet I do. Should we put some energies towards that? You bet I do. But here's why I would say that. Every other freedom on earth that we fight for is a temporal freedom that will eventually be swallowed up by death. No matter how much we fight for social justice on earth, death will swallow up every human being and then the consequence of accepting or rejecting Jesus Christ will be an eternal consequence. Does that make sense? So as Christians and at this church, of the, at the forefront of all that we do, and we discuss social justices, and they are important, but at the forefront of all we do will be the idea of we want, to, uh, we want people to be introduced to the person and work of Jesus Christ so that they can have eternal life through the forgiveness of sin, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? My favorite pastor, or one of my favorite pastors and authors, a guy by the name of John Piper said this. He said, we care about all suffering now, and especially eternal suffering later. However, now I'm going to change gears, all right? So I want, to make, I want to frame this right, okay? However, as Christians, the gospel of Jesus Christ touches every part of our lives. We don't run around through life in a vacuum. By the power of the Spirit, we're transformed so that our hearts break for what breaks God's hearts. We understand that an unjust balance is an abomination to the Lord. We don't live in a compartmentalized Christianity that we sit here on Sunday morning and it looks different in our day-to-day -day lives. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means that, it, it, that the gospel of Jesus and holiness and righteousness touches every area of our lives. It touches our parenting. It touches our, our marriage. It touches our finances. It touches the workplace. It touches our, 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 who we vote for and why we vote for them. It, it touches every area of our lives. We don't get to compartmentalize it. So before I talk about some social justices, let me be clear. A just balance, I want to talk about a just balance, okay? I want to talk about a just balance, and I want to talk about this thing called common grace. What's common grace? Well, common grace is the grace of God that's given to all mankind, both believers and unbelievers, Okay? Common grace elevates the good attributes of God in society. If you're familiar with your Old Testament, you know the Bible says that God sends rain on the good and on the wicked, right? And in agrarian culture, rain was huge. It's how you made a living. That's common grace. Common grace is good for all and good for, for this life. But it's not saving grace. It doesn't bring eternal life. Doesn't free us from the penalty of sin. That, that comes through special revelation, through the Word of God, through the gospel of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Common grace brings good to a culture and it benefits all. 
And so as Christians, as we walk by the power of the Spirit and our hearts long for the things that God hearts longs for and breaks for the things that breaks God, we should be elevating a culture with common grace. Does that make sense? In fact, if I was to take you, and I don't have time to take you all the way through Proverbs 11, Proverbs 11 even talks about common grace. Check this out, Proverbs 11, verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, a city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. There's no glory in a wicked government, in other words, right? There's no glory when, when, when the wicked prosper because it, because it suppresses all of culture. And so we as Christians should be attempting to influence the culture to bring common grace and the good qualities of God to all of life. By the blessings of the upright, a city is what? It's exalted, right? But... By the mouth of the wicked, it's overthrown. That's common grace. Common grace raises a culture. So, since, okay, since, and I know this is a little bit of a heady sermon this morning, all right, since a just balance is a delight to the Lord, A just balance displays God's righteousness. Since a just balance displays the character of God, therefore it raises a culture. Not in a salvific way, okay? That's special revelation through the Word of God, through the gospel of Christ, which I already said, that coastal is going to be at the forefront of all that we do because of its eternal consequences, okay? So, but, but the righteousness of God lived out raises a culture. As a natural overflow of the character of God, it's common grace, So raising a culture is an overflow of the Christian community that worships God in all things, including social justices. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to make sure, when it's in our power, that there's a just balance. Does that make sense? So let me give you a a couple so what's, okay? I I, I could give you 3,000, okay? I'm going to give you three that I think would apply to Proverbs 11 verse 1. So what, number one, business justice. I think, I think that's the obvious overflow of Proverbs 11.1. 1. It's the obvious thing of Proverbs 11, verse 1, right? The obvious application is that the, uh, our Christian worldview touches justice in business. A seller of a business has to make sure that the buyer is getting a fair product, that's justice. By the way, a seller, the buyer of the business, needs to make sure that the merchant is able to make enough money to make a wage. So the buyer of the business doesn't need to be so cheap that there's no financial margin for someone to make a dollar. Jesus even said this in Luke chapter 10. He said, don't Hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work, what's it say? What did Jesus say? Deserve their pay. So this applies to both the buyer and the seller, right? The buyer's supposed to provide a good product for a fair wage. I mean, the seller and the buyer's supposed to make sure that the, that the seller gets paid well. This applies to employers. If you employ people, you should treat them well. Financially, 
They need a fair day, fair wage for a, fair, for a good day of work. Many of the injustices in our culture have come because people have had to fight for this truth. But as Christians, this should be the natural overflow of running a healthy business that the Lord is blessing. Let's make sure my employees are taken care of. And by the way, this applies to the employees as well. Some of the injustices in, the, in our culture have come around because employees have grown lazy. Right? And if we would have the biblical mindset as both a business owner and an employee, it's a win-win. It's a just balance. If you're an employee, you're to give your boss a good day's work. You're You're to come to work and look for an opportunity to make the business successful for your boss. It's not watching the clock, when do I get out of here? But it's servicing the employee, the employer, and the servicing the employer's clients to the best of your ability to make that business successful. That's a just balance. I mean, the Bible has a lot to say about this, actually. Second Thessalonians 3, right? If someone's unwilling to work, what's it say? Shouldn't eat. Yikes. Okay, so, so in our culture, man, we've had these battles for injustices. Some have been when, when an employer is all they're concerned about is making money, making money, making money, not taking care of their employees. Well, Jesus said a worker's worthy of their wages. And some of us, we had laziness where employees have taken advantage of the, of the business, right? And they're, they're not trying to make sure the business is making money. And so the Bible says, listen, if you're not willing to work hard, nobody should give you food. You should work for it, right? When you can and when you're able, uh, another area in the area of business is taxes. It's tax season. Ready? Ready? I'm about to step on some toes, I bet. Did you know that as Christians, we shouldn't be hiding things from the U.S. government? It's an unjust balance. I always get nervous when I hear someone say, well, it's a cash business. What does that mean? You know what that means? That's code for I'm not going to report all the money I'm supposed to report to the U.S. government. Remember what Jesus said about this? Someone said, hey, should we pay our tithe? Should we pay, give, give to the church what Jesus say? Held up a coin. He said, whose face is on it? Caesar. And then what did he say next? Hide your tax. Hide the cash from the Caesar. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> no. He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to what? What's God? I'm going to just say this, all right? You guys are, I'm assuming you're believers, right? As Christians, we shouldn't be hiding money from the U.S. government. And if you think you're paying too much taxes, I got really great news for you. You live in the greatest government on planet Earth that's ever been. You get to vote, okay? Go vote for people that will change that. But in the meantime, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. It's a just balance. The Bible says it's an abomination to have an unjust scale. As a Christian, if you have an unjust scale, what you're saying is... I trust God to take care of the injustice of my sin. I trust God to provide eternal life for me by grace through faith. He's big enough and powerful enough to take care of my eternal life. However, I do not trust him to take care of my earthly life and provide for me the things I need here on earth. Right? 
And you hide your money from the U.S. government because I need this money. Because I got to take what you're saying is I'm going to violate a scripture because I need to provide for my family. And what you've forgotten is Matthew chapter six, where where Jesus said, "Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Uh, Are you not more valuable than they?" What's he saying? Jesus said, "I'll take care of you." And so when we do business or we hide from the U.S. government or whatever, here's, here's the deal. All right, We have an unjust balance, and God calls that an abomination. At the core of it is unbelief. At the core of it is unbelief that God can really take care of us the way he says he's going to, right? It's a social injustice. It's an unjust scale. Second one I want to hit on today, second so what, all right, is racial injustice or racial justice. Okay. Any kind of discrimination because of skin color is an unjust balance, right? It's an unjust scale. And the Bible calls it an abomination to the Lord. And the church, we have this unique opportunity. We have this great and we have this unique opportunity. The gospel of Jesus. We all bow a knee, red and yellow and black and white, right? They're all precious. We all bow a knee to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church has this unique opportunity where it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, it doesn't matter if you're man or woman, we all come humbly to the foot of the cross in desperate need of a Savior, and there is no, I'm not here even to speak to the culture. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do that. But I can tell you this, inside the church, there's no place for racism, for sure. Okay? No place for it. James chapter 2, verse 1 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, he's talking about in this passage, he's ultimately talking about the, this church was showing partiality to the rich and the poor. But it's certainly applies to race. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you're a forward-looking Christian and there's an inkling of racism in your heart, okay, and in your mind and in your thinking, let me just assure you, you're not going to like heaven very much, okay? Because when I read my Bible, I actually don't see the elimination of race and culture. I actually see the blending of it where we as Christians go, oh, I see the beauty of our differences, okay? Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, we see this glimpse into heaven and there's this group of people worshiping their Savior Jesus Christ. It says they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals And you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every, what? What's it say? Every tribe and language and people and nation. That's the picture of heaven. By the way, if you come to Coastal for any length of time, you hear me say that all the time. Tribe, tongue, and nation. Tribe, tongue, and nation. Tribe, tongue, and nation. As a Christian, your worldview needs to expand far beyond your little culture here. You need to start thinking globally. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about you taking a missions trip is not that you're going to go to Honduras or Bolivia or Africa and you're going to make this huge difference, although you will make some impact. It's so I want you to come back and your vision to expand. 
And I want you to go to another country and go, these folks that are Christians are going to be in heaven for all eternity with me, singing songs to the Lamb of God. Tribe, tongue, and nation. And I want you to see how a church in Africa worships differently than you. And I want you to go, man, that is awesome. That's incredible. Wow. And a lot of churches around the world, this is really cool, a lot of churches around the world, they pray. It's just not like the one guy with the microphone up front, but a lot of churches, they all pray at once together. Right? Like, there's things you'll see in another culture that go like, whoa, that's cool. They're different than me. They worship different than me. And you've made them a kingdom and a, of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Racial injustice is an unbalanced scale. It's an abomination of the Lord. Every tribe, tongue, and nation worships God. That it worships God together is a delight to our Lord. By the way, just a little side note, okay? We're in the beginning stages. Uh, something I'm super excited about in 2016. Robert Sepulveda is going to give it leadership. If this interests you and you want to talk to him, we're, we're just in the beginning formation stages. He's going to be out at the missions kiosks here afterward to talk to you but. Uh, we're hoping in 2016 as we relocate to begin a new ministry to reach uh, Hispanic or Spanish speakers here on the peninsula, okay? We're not sure what that's going to look like yet exactly. Like I said, we're in the beginning stages, but our hope is by the fall of 2016, we're going to have coastal and Espanol, okay? And uh, why? Because every tribe, tongue, and nation has got to go to heaven, right? And, uh, and we want to be racially diverse at Coastal Community Church. I want to give you one final example, one more so what, all right, and I'm going to close this up. Um, justice for the unborn, justice for the unborn. What if I told you that tomorrow 3,000 American lives will be ended? Tomorrow. And the next day, 3,000 more American lives will be ended. And the next day, 3,000. And the next day, and this goes on 365 days every year in America. Would that disturb you? That's how many unborn never see life in America through the injustice called abortion. Now, I'm not going to re-preach last year's sermon. I would encourage you to get that on your own, okay? Um, but I do want you to know we support a local ministry called CareNet at Coastal Community Church. Uh, a portion of your tithe. When you give, we make sure 10 cents of every dollar goes out to many different missions, some in the community, some internationally. One of the missions that we support is a mission called CareNet, okay? And CareNet's making a difference in saving the unborn, okay? But they also do uh, an amazing job, and I'm going to show you a video as we close out the service here today. But another way that we support them, on top of what comes in through your tie that goes another way to support them is through this thing called baby bottles, okay? They, we ask you to take home a baby bottle. We've been doing this every year, almost since I've been here, almost. Um, and, uh, and take home a baby bottle. You fill it with loose change. This is something you involve your children in. You bring it back here. We give it to Karenette, and it helps support this amazing ministry to help save the unborn, okay? Last year at Coastal Community Church, on top of what you donate through your tithes, through the missions ministry here at Coastal, on top of that, you guys raised another 5000 in loose change through baby bottles. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, and so you guys can be a part of that. Okay, there will be at the kiosks on the way out. You can pick up a baby bottle and support that ministry. A false balance 
is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. As Christians, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us, molding our hearts to be like him. We delight in the things that he delights in, and our heart breaks for what breaks his. By the power of the Spirit, may we see the opportunity to fulfill the prayer of our Lord by bringing heaven to earth. When Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help our hearts to break for what breaks yours. Help our hearts to delight in what you delight in. God, help it at the forefront of what we do when we serve others, that it would be to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has eternal consequences. Help us to leave here with a new worldview, to make a difference individually, as we work, as we have neighbors, as we have roommates. God, may we look for, pray for opportunities to introduce people to the person that will bring the greatest freedom in their life, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then may we find a place to make a difference through common grace where we raise the culture through the righteousness and the holiness of God in a culture. For your name's sake. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, we'll